You're listening to Productive Flourishing. Thanks for joining us today. One of the things I was thinking about before we came down was how often as small business owners, we put ourselves in a trap mm-hmm. where it's most of the time we start our businesses to be able to be flexible and to be able to do things like this. Mm-hmm. But then when the actual circumstance comes up, we feel just as trapped, if not more trapped. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, screw that noise. Um, it's our priorities. Like we get to decide how this is going to go. Mm-hmm. And we get to look at our partners and our team and say, you know what? Here's what's going to shift. Yeah. Here's what's not. We're in the business of helping people focus on and finish what matters most. Yeah. And if that's not helping your, fa- your family and transitioning and being there when you're needed, then what the hell are we doing? Welcome to Productive Flourishing, where we explore how to do the work that matters so you become your best self in the world. I'm your host, Charlie Gilkey. And I'm joined by Angela Wheeler and other guests who will share their stories, insights, wins, and challenges in the hopes that our journeys and stories will help you with yours. Now, on to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Productive Flourishing Podcast. You might notice that I sound different today. Here's the thing. Angela and I needed to come back to Arkansas to have some family TLC And that actually became what we wanted to talk about. So we're not in our studio. We don't have our normal studio mics. We're recording this off of a Zoom H2. So you might hear a little bit of echo. It might not sound the same, but we are here and we are recording. And hi, Angela. Hi. So I kind of gave this setup. And, you know, as we were thinking about different things we wanted to talk about today, the fifth topic that Angela sort of slid in at the end, she's like, I don't know if you want to talk about it, but... You know, maybe we talk about what it's like to be managing our business and also in a different place taking care of our family's needs. And I was like, yes, that's it. That's got the spark. So we're talking about it. And as usual, one of the things that um, we really like to do and why that one spoke up to me is it's kind of like this is the side of business that people don't talk about a lot. Mm -hmm. Talk about the strategy. We talk about team. We talk about all this. But the reality is in the middle of all of this, Family stuff happens. In the middle of all of this, you got to take trips. And it's different, I think, when you are managing your business with your life partner. Mm-hmm. Because I'll just speak for me. Angela can speak for herself. Like when she's gone, I'm like, where's my buddy? Where's my like, it just ain't the same no matter where I am. And, you know, so as we started thinking about coming down to Arkansas and things like that, it's, um, you know, that was one of our considerations is, are we going to be better together or separate? And per the usual, better together. So if you're picking up on our accents, it's because we're in Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's just part of the deal. So Angela, go ahead and set us up with what's going on and, and what brought us here. All right. Well, um, I want to start with a few, um, like, yes, this, this is the place we're in kind of, um, bullet points for lack of better words. So it is currently March of 2021. Yes, COVID is still happening. (laughs) And it was a challenge just thinking about having to get on an airplane and travel during COVID. Um, So that's, you know, that's one thing that makes this challenging, of course. Another thing just because I know we tend to go for full-on transparency around here, or at least I do. (laughs) 
um, is that our business is growing and changing fast right now. There is so much happening. And so even in the best of circumstances right now in this place and time, you and I have very full plates. Um, our, our plates are overfloweth prior to COVID being a thing and also choosing to travel to help take care of family. So uh, if, if you all hear a little bit of compression or, um, oh my gosh, happening for me today, <laughs> that's probably part of what's going on. So what to share? Um, my dad had a major surgery about seven weeks ago. And uh, neither my sister nor I live here where my parents are anymore. And so my mom has had the role of primary caregiver um, trying to help my dad through recovery for the last seven weeks or so. And it hasn't been going very well, unfortunately. And um, on top of that, at about the same time, my dad was going into surgery. My mom um, was starting to have some pretty um, challenging health issues of her own coming up. And so she's been dealing with a pretty extreme level of pain for the last couple of months herself on top of what's going on with my dad. So we, um, it's different hearing your parents tell you what's going on sometimes versus actually seeing what's going on. So it became pretty evident to me about a week and a half, two weeks ago that, um, they needed someone here to, to help. Uh, it was just too much for them. It was too overwhelming. And I, uh, talked to Charlie and let him know that I needed to come down here and um, we talked through whether or not he was going to join me for part of the time, the whole time. And also, um, you know, this happened at the same time that Charlie's dad was going to be um, celebrating his 81st birthday. So that kind of tied into, and Charlie, I'll let you, you know, kind of talk about that situation because not only do we have the medical and health situation that we're currently navigating with trying to get my mom and dad the support and health they need and back on the right track? Charlie's dad and his family are dealing with um, some some really challenging health issues as well. So about five, six years ago, mm-hmm. um, my dad was diagnosed with dementia. And that started a different journey for us in the sense of he needed to live with, you know, someone full time. He was no longer able to live with himself. But at the time, we decided as a family that we didn't want to put him in a nursing home. And so, as Angela mentioned, he's 81. His dementia has been progressing. And so my siblings decided that uh, they wanted to have really the last birthday where we're going to all be together with dad. Um, It's unclear whether he's going to live another year or if he's going to be anywhere near himself last year. So effectively we're banking on this being our last birthday with our dad. 
and my, me and my five siblings, we don't get together that frequently as, as like a whole clan that you know, like we do this once every, what, five, six years at most. At most. Yeah. At most. And so we thought it was really important to come down and um, it was a whirlwind day. But it's one of those times where, you know, you, you sit back in life and you're like, I wish I would have been there. And I use regret avoidance as sort of a, of a way of justifying my being here. It's separate than what was going on with Angela, because I didn't want to be again four years from now, be like, you know what? That was our last time that um, dad was with us. And I opted out um, of that. And so it really created this convergence scenario to where Angela had her family stuff that needed to be attended to. I had some family stuff. And as is most things, Angela and I anchor each other really well differently. We don't do the same thing for each other, but in situations like this, we're typically better when we're rolling together Mm -hmm. and taking care of each other in the ways that we take care of each other than separate. So between both events, we decided it was time. This time. And so Angela mentioned our business is growing fast. So just to give some context, my next book is in acquisitions. So I'm having a bunch of conversations with publishers and doing their sort of info requests. So that's going on. We're getting ready to start the fundraising track for the app. And so there's a lot of stuff going on. We're in some, you know, events and classes and things related to that. Um, The Productive Flourishing Academy is growing and there's a lot going on there. And then, you know, I've got a full coaching roster, a little bit over full of a coaching roster at the same time. So Mm -hmm. from a time of the year and what we're going into the business, like this could not have come at at like a worse time as far as everything going on. Because just for me, I would have had to reschedule 16 or 20 meetings over the course of the week. Mm -hmm. And those have to live somewhere else. And there's nowhere else for them to live. And so that's part of what's going on is like, as we were thinking about this independently, it made sense for Angela to come down mm-hmm. independently. It made sense for me to come down jointly. It made sense for us both to come down together, except for it did not make any business sense at all. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It didn't make business sense. And, you know, one of our, Oh, I say values, I guess, are that um, we decide our priorities. Mm -hmm. You know, we decide our priorities, our values, and we knew that this was going to cause a lot of compression. It was going to cause us to think about what our general level of success looks like day to day. And how we want to show up and ship and do our work. And um, we're having to navigate and negotiate what that looks like day to day. Um, you know, what we can get done at home in Portland with our home, our offices, our infrastructure, not caring for family members looks a lot different than it does when you're in a different location not the infrastructure you're used to um, and um, navigating um, the challenges with family and healthcare. Um, And so we're having to be very, very um, 
patient with each other and with ourselves as well as with everyone that we're interacting with um, and realizing we're doing our best, even though our best right now doesn't look like it does when we're at home with all the things that, that we have created for ourselves for success. So it has had us both talking about and thinking about, um, you know, we are, are for one another, we are each other's emotional anchors. Um, and we also have so many other physical anchors in our usual environment, um, that, you know, we're kind of navigating. So, um, we prioritize a bit differently while we're here and that's necessary and that's needed. And, um, it brings up its own, you know, set of challenges that we're having to deal with. One of the things I was thinking about before we came down was how often as small business owners, we put ourselves in a trap. Mm-hmm. where it's most of the time we start our businesses to be able to be flexible and to be able to do things like this. Mm-hmm. But then when the actual circumstance comes up, we feel just as trapped, if not more trapped. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, screw that noise. Um, it's our priorities. Like we get to decide how this is going to go mm-hmm. and we get to look at our partners and our team and say, you know what, here's what's going to shift. Yeah. Here's what's not. And it's not coming from a place of like, oh, I'm sorry, like excuses. Like, no, this is what is. Um, we, we're in the business of helping people focus on and finish what matters most. Yeah. And if that's not helping your, fa- your family and transitioning and being there when you're needed, then what the hell are we doing? Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and so that, that was an important piece is like we get to decide and we get to deal with the consequences. Yeah. Because whatever choice we make, there's consequences. Yeah. And I will just like to riff on that just a little bit. Um, you know, one of the things I, that has been a good reminder for me with this is that, you know, I feel, you know, I I definitely don't want to talk, speak for our teammates, but one of the things that I hear from our teammates quite often, as well as people who, who see how we have, um, formed this team that we have is that, um, we know that they have lives and they have other responsibilities. And that's important to us as owners of a business that we get to foster a team environment that's supportive, accepting, loving of one another, that's in, you know inclusive and we have all this belonging. And it means that you know when someone in the team needs to be out for something, that's related to family or health that as a team, we, we rally around them. Right. And we, we want to support and allow them to be able to do that so they can fully focus their energy and efforts where they're really needed at the time. And for me, this has been a good reminder of, yes, they're, they're there to do that for us as well. Right. And so, um, this has been a good practice for me of leaning into that culture we've created, that support we've created, um, and, um, having it be reciprocal, right. Um, our team, like they're rallying, they're doing an amazing job without us there in Portland. Um, and so I just, you know, I just wanted to share that, I guess, for, I feel like I've been learning so many lessons, over the last year as a leader. Um, and one of those is 
you do this great work to set up the kind of team you want to work in day to day. And you also get to benefit from it, you know, like, come on, lean into that help, Angela, <laughs> lean into that support. So, A bit of a mind fork here has been, um, you know, I was talking to Angela about this and I was like, okay, well, we're going to be there. So it's going to be different. And, you know, we have to think about all the shifts that we have to make to the team. And because of all the work we've been doing already, it's like from their perspective, mm-hmm. we're probably in about the same <laughs> Right. It feels, I mean, we're, we're spending maybe, you know, 90 minutes less a day, but largely speaking, they're running things. You know, Steve mm-hmm. is keeping things going. Core is still pushing stuff on the marketing side. Shannon's still keeping clients served and taken care of. Um, Jess and Oshi are doing their, you know, sort of core jobs on the marketing and on the customer support side. Joe's still, you know, making sure things are running on the systems and tech side. Mm-hmm. And so big shout out to the team because... You know, we can be out for, um, we're, so we left Wednesday. We're going to be, I'm going to be going back Friday. Um, not two days, but a full nine days. It's still up in the air when Angela's going to be returning. Um, but yeah, we spend a lot of time at team PF making people cross-functional and having cover down planes so that when one person's out, the rest can rally around and it's unusual. I know there are only eight of us at this point. So it's one of the advantages of having small teams. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I'm out there consulting with people, like I see that even in their smaller teams, if one person's out, business stops, mm-hmm. right? You just can't do anything. And I was like, ugh. But there's definitely military learning there. Like if your business, if your team stops because one person's out, mm-hmm. you haven't done your job to train your team. Yeah. And really do that. Is it extra effort? Yes, of course it's extra effort. Um, but it, it's worth it because in times like these, you can say, hey, I got to leave or another teammate can be like, Hey, this thing happened. I need to be out for two, three days. Mm-hmm. And you can say without all the frustration, without all the sort of passive aggressiveness, you can say, you know what? I'm really sorry. You're going through this. Yeah. We got you go take care of things and we'll be here when you get back. Yeah. Right. And that's really powerful. Y'all like I, and Angela mentioned, you know, that's been one of the tensions. We won't go too much into it, but as we've been talking about fundraising and getting the app ready and that whole trip, one of my attention points has been is like, I don't want to change this team. Mm-hmm. I don't want to change those characters and those values. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not really keen on the grow, 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 hyper fast, burn people out, push people out, like do all the things if, you know, just to meet a goal. Cause that's not the type of business I want to be in. That's not the type of team I want to be in. And our goal is to build the type of business type of team we want to be in. Yeah, Absolutely. I was, um, I'm going to do like a, you know, a curve to the left, curve to the right here. Um, and, you know, kind of going another level deeper here about what we're, you and I are contending with right now as we're here in Arkansas navigating what's going on. I know, you know, those of those of you who have been with us for a while have have probably heard every now and then through writings or podcast recordings that we've had that um, Charlie and I, um, we've been together since we were teenagers. <laughs> um, so we grew up in the same town and uh, went to the same high school, which is where we met. And we've been together since high school. And so it's... 
It's interesting though, you know, I I think everyone can say this. If you don't stay in the town that you grew up in, going back is definitely a reminder of how you've changed, where you've come from, what hasn't changed, what's of value to you, all these things. And, you know, a different, a different and another layer for myself and for Charlie here is that we quite literally come from different sides of the tracks. Um, and you know, where we grew up, um, here in Fort Smith, Arkansas, there, there, there is, it, it's, at least it seems to me being one who grew up here, there's a wrong side of the tracks and there's the right side of the tracks. Um, and so, there are so many differences between our families as well um, and the ways that, that we grew up and how we grew up and, and the lessons we learned and what we learned from our neighborhoods, our families, our surroundings, all of that. And um, those things, while you and I have changed considerably, Um, and we have gone on to different places and done different things. Um, you know, when we come back here, it's so stark, you know, where, where our families are, where they live and the differences between them. And so it really is a, um, you know, you and I, when we were 17 year olds, we like, like naively had to navigate this, (laughs) um, in order to be together, um, and to grow and move. Um, but then we come back here and while things have definitely changed, there's a lot more that hasn't changed. Yeah. That there's a lot to unpack there. And (laughs) how many hours do we have? (laughs) Um, yeah. And so it's really tricky because even in conversations where I'm explaining that my dad is 81, he's got dementia. He may not live another year or two. I'm I'm saying that to Angela's parents. How old is your dad? Uh, dad is 70. Yeah. So dad's 70. And so he's looking a decade ahead and he's like, his outcome is like, I don't, it's hard for him to understand the difference in years that that means coming from different sides. I mean, my dad was born in 40, um, grew up poor, grew up black, grew up in Arkansas mm-hmm. and has had a very hard life. And actually my dad is the oldest known Gilkey that we know of 81 y'all the oldest known that we know of. Um, when we go back as far as our history can, and there's a reason why we can't go back too far in our history. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, um, compared that to say your grandfather. Yeah. My grandfather. So both of my dad's parents have passed and my mom's mother has passed, but my mom's dad, my grandfather is 96 years old and he is on one medication for his eyes. But he's, I mean, he's definitely slowed down considerably and he has some challenges walking and things like that. But for a 96 year old man, he is doing incredibly well. Yeah. And Jack is probably healthier than my dad at 81. Oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And so that's what we're talking about, y'all, is this disparity in life outcomes, especially as you stretch it out. Right. Um, And so... 
we're dealing with that. And at the same time that there is an education and empowerment gap in Arkansas around the, you know, medical complex. Yeah. And, you know, we're from Portland now. I say we're from Portland, but we're, you know, yeah. everyone knows what I mean. That's where we live. That's where we live. <laughs> um, our healthcare is great. It's expensive, but great. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the generally, the general quality of life and health around us, really great. Yes. Um, the treatment by doctors, really great. <laughs> Nurses, really great. And so we come from that medical you know, system, and we chose that system. That's not an accident, right? We chose that system because, you know, Angela's got multiple autoimmune diseases. When we, when we moved here, that was really top of mind is where, where is great health care? Mm-hmm. But partially that's coming from where we had experienced terrible health care. Mm-hmm. The terrible health care of Arkansas. The mediocre healthcare from Nebraska, mm-hmm. right, to the great healthcare of the Pacific Northwest and specifically Portland, Oregon. Yeah. And just the way they treat you here, like Angela, you can go more into that, but like mm-hmm. it is a completely different system. So not only are we talking about differences in class, differences in race, mm-hmm. differences in education, but differences in health outcomes just based upon the medical system. And how it interacts with its quote unquote customers. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll just, I'll say to that, I, you know, as I was listening to you talk, I was like, Ooh, Charlie just ruffled a lot of feathers with what he just said. I ain't mad about it. Yeah. But it's, it's absolutely true. Um, I, I really do believe, and I know that you and I are going to have a longer and better quality of life because of where we live now. Um, that like, there is not one seed of doubt in my mind about that. And while I truly do believe that there are wonderful healthcare providers here in Arkansas, and there were some wonderful healthcare providers in Nebraska, um, I feel that the quality of healthcare across the board with who I've at least interacted with in Oregon and Portland specifically has just been more empowering um, and a higher quality than what I feel like I got when I was in Nebraska or Arkansas. And um, as Charlie said, I mean, we, our cost of living is incredible incredibly, um, it's incredibly higher in Portland, Oregon than it is in Lincoln, Nebraska, and definitely in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Um, and what I'll say is, you know, having been here now for almost a week, um, and being in and out of doctor's offices almost every day that I've been here, like helping mom with what she's challenged with, and then helping dad with what he's challenged with right now, I've already seen, multiple providers in multiple different fields and multiple different buildings and locations and clinics. And I've just been reminded so viscerally of how unempowered I felt when we still lived here in Arkansas in a lot of ways, but specifically here talking about healthcare. And, you know, it's, I find myself frustrated at times and I'll get mad and on occasion 
at my mom and dad, actually, like when I'm back in Portland and I'll be having a conversation with them about something they're dealing with. But then I always have to remind myself, like, okay, all these different things are happening. One, they're in a level of pain right now. And no matter who you are, under what circumstances, when you're in pain, your thinking just is not, it doesn't happen as well. It just doesn't. On top of that, you know, they're, you know, in their 70s now, and they're dealing with a lot of changes that have happened in healthcare since they were younger. And um, from what I've seen, not all the providers here, I'm not saying that, they, um, they are quite rushed with their patients. And um, me being there in, in those um, appointments with my mom and with my dad, I've had to ask the doctors um, to slow down so that I can get the information that I need to be able to support and help them. And, you know, what I noticed in that last appointment with my mom um, was just, you know, feeling, feeling rushed, feeling hurried, feeling like um, just very disempowered again. And I could definitely, I had a lot of empathy that came through me and just a good reminder for me about how challenging it is for people to navigate our healthcare system. And when you add that on top of the class issues and the race issues and, um, you know, healthcare in some states versus others just looking so different, there's really no wonder why we see the disparities that we see um, across, you know, race, age, ethnicity, social class, and also geographically. So just a very, very stark reminder of that here. What I was thinking about is there's this degree to which um, in this medical system in Arkansas, you have to work extra hard to be an advocate for yourself, mm-hmm. right? And so when you're advocating for others, like that's where so much of the shock has been from people. They're like, wait a second. Someone's actually asking questions and, and making us slow down and questioning sort of diagnoses and asking us to listen for the full symptoms and things like that. And as I was thinking about that, Angela, I was really hearkening back to how much of our life since 17, since we were 17, we've had to learn to advocate for ourselves Absolutely. all the way along the ride, whether you're talking about how we advocated for scholarships and fellowships, how we did this in grad school, how we did this in the military, how we've done it in the business mm-hmm. over and over again. It's just been this last 23, 24 years mm-hmm. of just going to bat for ourselves and for each other. So it's a norm for us. Like we don't go somewhere and something's not right or, you know, we don't, it's not that we're super nitpicky about everything, but if something's up, we're going to talk about it. Yeah. We're going to get it done, right? Yeah. If a service provider we're working with isn't working with us, we're going to have that conversation. Yeah. Um, and so we've embedded this skill mm-hmm. of advocating for ourselves and what's right and what we paid for and all sorts of things that a lot of people haven't. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, I mean, I think that that's just, I think that's a great takeaway here, Charlie, is that we, it's one of the things that you and I have discussions about all the time is how easy it is for me to forget 
um, my development over time and how these skills of advocating for myself and for the people I love, um, how fiercely I do that, um, is not something that is, is natural for a lot of people. Um, and it's also, you know, I'm just going to be completely blunt here in that I had to learn that at a much earlier age than a lot of people do. And I also had to learn to navigate, um, situations, uh, cross culturally, cross racially at a very young age in a place where to be quite frank, everything was stacked against us, Mm -hmm. um, being together and, and making it out in the way we did. And so, I realize that that's me being very brutally honest and blunt. And it's also just a reminder of, for me, how grateful and thankful I am that we've continued to navigate this path together in the way we have um, and how much we've grown um, individually as well as together to be able to navigate what our lives have looked like because we've chosen to do it together. I'm glad we're touching in on this because so many entrepreneurs, leaders, executives, and business owners have gone through the journey of where they started mm-hmm. being completely different mm-hmm. than where they are now. Yes. And there's that tricky thing to where we want to apply our mindset and worldview of where we are now back against where we started. Yes. And that's where a lot of the suffering can come from. That's where a lot of the conflict can come from. Mm -hmm. It's just being like, you know what? This is a different way of being. It's, you know, you can have your judgments about whether it's better or worse, Mm -hmm. but the root fact of it is it's different. Yes. And how do you apply what you know and how you are to those situations in a way that doesn't, create sort of a condescending scenario. I'm better than you and I know how to figure this out and this is messed up, but also just not letting it be the way that it is. Yeah. Right. So no matter what you're doing, if you're listening to this podcast, we forget if you listen to podcasts, you're in a very small minority of people. Like you think (laughs) podcasts are trending, like talk to your, you know, talk to your family about who listens to podcasts. You might hear a pod. What? (laughs) Right. Um, And so you're in a place where you probably have a lot more information Mm -hmm. than your family may have, than where you came from may have. You may have a lot more access to resources. Mm -hmm. You might have a different mindset. So there's that tension. How do you not let go of everything that you have Mm -hmm. and just sort of collapse into where that is? But also, how do you not come back and be that person? We all know who that person is. Oh, yeah. To be that person that can come in and tries to fix everything and just fundamentally like either makes things worse or makes things awkward. Yeah. Right. And so, for instance, you know, I'm bringing this up because Angela and I have learned the skill of advocating for ourselves and for other people. We're better at advocating for other people than ourselves, which is why we have each other because we balance that (laughs) out. Where you're from, that may not be the case. Like we're used to working with professionals day in, day out. We're not intimidated by someone who's got a PhD behind their last name. Well, one, because Angela has one. So it's, it's or MD, like these are our customers. These are our clients. These are our friends. Mm-hmm. 
perhaps where you're from is not like that. Exactly. Right. So your understanding of how that works is just different. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's sometimes where you can be the greatest advocate is just to sit and be at a interface, um, which I know some people don't like calling people interfaces, but you can be that mediator in some of these conversations. Yeah. Um, so that you bridge that gap and really help people out. And that's a really important skill. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes the best way, sometimes, you know, sometimes it's providing a little money to help. Sometimes it's spending three or four days going to doctor's appointments and translating and mediating. And, you know, one of the things that Angela did was she sat down with both her mom and her dad separately. And she said, tell me all the things that are going on. She took a long list of all for hours, hours. all the things. And so um, rather than the, you know, call every three days and my knees hurt or something like that, like just tell me all the things. And that's one of the reasons we discovered what was going on with her dad. And in a day, her dad's health outcomes were a lot different because he had knee surgery, but something was going on with his foot. And we're like, what's going on with this foot situation? It turns out he wasn't taking his diabetes medic well which medications were it was he not taking and what what was the real issue there that we think Angela well I there there are multiple levels but he wasn't um he just wasn't in integrity and in compliance on his diabetes medications um and that you know coupled with the trauma of such a major surgery on your body and your body recovering from that um he's it's like you said, within 24 hours, not even 24 hours of me being here and taking those hours to be with him to get all the information, the next day, his pain levels were, I, I mean, it was night and day. Yeah. And again, we're talking about applying the skills that you use in running your career and business. Yeah. When Angela and I approach problems, we are systems thinkers naturally. And so like, tell me all the things and then I might be able to figure out what's going on. And so when we learned all the things, I was like, wait a second. Cause I, I saw it as soon as Angela told me, she's like, wait a second, his foot's hurting. He hasn't been taking his diabetes medication. There's some history of cardiopulmonary stuff in the background. I'm like, Oh crap. Like yep. let's get that taken care of. And also the gabapentin, right? Mm-hmm. Let's get that taken care of. And that may resolve 80, 85% of it. And sure enough, it did. Yep. Um, and so again, Taking the skills that you use to run your, your career or run your team or run your business and applying that to some of these situations can be incredibly powerful. You just have to apply it in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I did, I mean, almost, and it's a def, definitely a different set of circumstances because the health challenges that my mom's dealing with are different than my dad. But having the full list from her and then being able to go with her to her appointment and advocate for her her doctor realized like, Oh, I haven't been hearing some of these things and here's the full picture and got her started on a new medication. And the very next day she was already doing better. So it is, you know, I really appreciate you, Charlie, pardon me, just thinking about, you know, for, for those of us who have that skill set of, um, you know, and obviously it comes also from my time of being a qualitative researcher in academia. And it's just, you, you have to listen to the full story, right? You need to know all the things 
to really be able to get a picture of, of what's actually happening. And so I think that's one of the things that's just a good reminder for me, for both of us being here, is how important it is, whether you're a provider for someone of some type of a service, whether it is a medical provider or a coach or a consultant or something else, listen. Listen to your people. Listen to the people who are coming to you and use that listening skill to help them get their needs fulfilled. You know, and that just, um, it's so important um, for the work that we do and how we support people. Yeah. And I'll give a counterpoint on the same thread of applying the skills of managing your career, team, or business with your family members. Like my brother was asking me, um, some questions about what he should do as far as saving and, you know, investing, what he should do with his finances. Um, and more so than giving any answers, I started asking sort of the strategic questions of like, okay, well, how much my brother is six years older than I am. So I was like, so what you want to be thinking about is when do you want to retire? What age do you want to retire? And what are some of those things? There's a difference in the United States if you plan on retiring at 62 versus 68. Right. As far as Social Security and retirement. So I started asking largely those strategic planning and visioning questions Mm -hmm. to use that as a organizing principle and a frame to help him sort of think through the financial situation where he is now. And that's not something my brother's brilliant in so many different ways, but he doesn't wake up and do strategic thinking and planning all day. I do that. Mm -hmm. Right. That's my job. And so just helping them see that and be like, oh, wait a second. If I just do this for another two years, then I'll be in a different spot and I'll have a bunch of options. I'm like, yes, you do it for another two years. But again, we forget that um, if I'm really going to push a lot of class and race issues here, um, the ability to plan strategically and think long distance is, is really a byproduct of class. Right. If you're poor, you grew up poor and you're just making it from paycheck to paycheck. And it's mostly how do I make it from paycheck to paycheck to paycheck? You forget or you don't have the skill set and the mindset to be able to think, wait a second, if I save 50 bucks from every paycheck um, in three years, I'll be in a certain perspective or be in a certain spot because that to you, that 50 bucks weighs really heavily now because it might be the difference between your lights being on. Are you being able to get something in and out of pond, right? All sorts of different scenarios. So, you know, that's one of the things when people start asking me questions from my family, it's really, you know, not from a place of judgment or I'm better or anything like that. Just start asking and, and shifting them into future-oriented thinking and showing how their choices today can lead to different outcomes. And it's not just about getting by, which... For a lot of our family and a lot of our generations of our family, given who we came from, getting by was the win, you know? Um, And so that's, that's what you can provide is think about what you're doing. We talk about it in start finishing as gates, your genius, affinities, talents, expertise, and strengths Mm -hmm. and building projects based upon those gates. So I'm going to say the same thing here when you're interacting with the family, especially if it's more of a project focused like what we're talking about, how are you applying your gates in service of your family and the people that you love Um, and doing that because, and you know, what I want to say here and we might transition here in a second, Angela is we get it because um, it's easy to lose your superpowers around family. 
<laughs> yes. It's easy for family systems to come back in. It's easy for family patterns to come back in and just to lose that grip. But I think for so many of us, and yes, you listening to this podcast, um, there's a degree of autonomy and sovereignty that we want to have for ourselves. And it's when we let that go that we start seeing boundaries crumble, that we start seeing a lot of that frustration and passive aggressiveness and so on and so forth, right? And so the way out of some of that is apply your gates with your family and be of service in that way. I was telling Angela the other day, I was visiting my family. It's like, I love having a job to do around my family, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's showing a kid how to shoot a crossbow, right? Or, you know, whatever it might be. I'm like, okay, well, that's something that I can show, you know, my nephew and my nieces and everyone like how to do that. And we're all involved in their learning mm-hmm. than just sitting around talking, mm-hmm. right? Nothing wrong with sitting around talking. Well, <laughs> let's just say it's better for me to have a job, yes. <laughs> Right. And whether that's driving somebody and getting food, just doing something, being in service in that way is, is really a great way. So if you're in one of these situations, just think, how can you dive into being of service? Mm-hmm. And unfortunately or fortunately, sometimes being of service, it's just sitting down and listening. Yeah. Because where, where your family may be, where your people may be, is if you might be the only person that's actually sat down and listened to them in weeks or months or years. Yeah. And sometimes that's, that's what the story is. It's just sit down. How are you doing? What's going on? What's really going on? Um, there are a lot more, you know, I know how many of our community are coaches and team leaders and managers. There's a lot of those listening skills and sitting down and just listen, like mm-hmm. being with people that can be such a valuable skill with your family. Just have to navigate it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, kind of tying all of this together, you know, in some ways, um, because Charlie and I, you know, the philosopher in him and the sociologist, social psychologist in me can't help but sit back and, you know, talk at the beginning of the day and the end of the day about, about what we're seeing, patterns, relationships, interactions, all those things, you know, being back here, it was, it, it, it was a challenging time because it was, you know, I think a matter of two days, you know, came the flights, getting the cat sitter, the house sitter, all the things in order, like all the things you have to do when you're rushed to get to a new location. Um, but we, over time, you know, over nearly two and a half decades, we have come to work so well together and to support one another. And so being in this challenging situation is just such a beautiful reminder for me about how far we've come, how far we've grown together, what our abilities and skill sets, when, when we utilize them, how we can utilize them across our life. You know, we use them in business every day, but how we can utilize them to support and help the communities and the people that matter the most to us. And the important piece for me, and I just have to come back to this because I I just have this sense that there's this possibility that listening to this for some people can be, you know, a bit triggering in like these two people come from a different place into this place and then they like feel like they need to like make things better and make things right and whatnot. But it really is a matter of first listening right? It's the opening your ears and the listening 
And that's the other thing we have to do in our life every day in our business is listen to our teammates, to each other, to our leaders, our managers, to, you know, our clients. Um, And so coming here, it's been just this great reminder of how well we work together, how well we support each other how we have grown our lives together into what it is now, how our listening can support our family, our community. Um, And then after listening, like fierce love in action, right? And like you advocate for these people, you're allies for these people who feel like they aren't being paid attention to or they're not being listened to. Um, And I know I am feeling incredibly grateful um, for those um, trials by fire (laughs) that we have had over time that have gotten us to this point where um, the navigating of structures and systems that can be so daunting and overwhelming don't feel that way anymore. And don't get me wrong, there are still plenty of moments where I get overwhelmed and challenged and daunted. Um, And it's also a beautiful reminder of just of growth and development over time and how the things that we build and grow in our business support our entire life and our entire ecosystem. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, One minor thing, and I'm glad you brought it out before as we're wrapping up. Because we didn't say this in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Before we came down, we actually asked our parents yes. whether they would like us to come help. Yes. Right. Um, when I mentioned talking to my brother about finances, it's because he asked me. Yes. Right. Um, and that's not like we're coming down and just here's the way that it is and so on and so forth. Because that just, that doesn't set up good relationships, but... It's disrespectful. It's disrespectful. It's fundamentally disrespectful. Um, And that's another one of those skills I've learned as a coach is coaching consultant is like get permission before you start, you know, providing counsel and advice and things like that because people may not want it or they may not be in a place where they can hear it or may may do things. And so um, it's a tricky balance, especially when you come from, certain types of families who don't like asking for help. Yes. <laughs> right. So you sort of have to be like, I would like to do this. Is this something you would like me to do? And even as simple as like, I didn't obviously didn't tell Angela about this yesterday, but my family, my, my brother hosted at his house. My family came in like the whirlwind that we can be and left a whole <laughs> bunch of stuff. And so I went to visit Jason yesterday and Jason had a hernia surgery last week, last mm-hmm. Tuesday. And so there's just a lot of like litter and trash as people were coming and going and, you know, rather than just walking into his house and starting to pick stuff up and throw it away and, you know, do that kind of whatnot. I was like, Hey Jay, like, would you like me to help clean up? Right. What's going on? He's like, no, I got it a few times. And then he was hurt. And I was like, are you sure? Like, it's super easy for me to help. Right. And that's what I'm here for. And he's like, yeah, man, that'd be really nice. Right. And just to help him clean out, don't just walk in his house and like, this is a mess. Let's clean it up. Like it's his place, right? It's let him have some sovereignty. Let him have some autonomy with that. So that would be the other thing that we would advise, or I would, and she, I see Angela nodding, but like find a way to build that alignment, to build that sort of place where like you're offering help. And if they say no, okay, you can let it go. 
right? If they take it, then you can be all in and you can be fierce because someone has invited you in specifically to do that. So we're not, you know, impose, Angela's not imposing herself to go to all of her parents' medical things. She asked, I would like to go and talk to your doctors. Would you like that? And they're like, yes, please. Okay, now we're all in. Mm-hmm. Now we're now we get the fight going on. But um, that's a really important piece, and I did, I forgot to mention that in the setup. Mm-hmm. But it's really important, right? Um, just because people may not necessarily see their best step forward, they still know where they want to go. Yes, right. And so, figure out and get alignment about where they want to go, and your part in that. And how you can be a partner of that as opposed to just coming down and directing where they should go and how they should go. Like that's a recipe for a lot of resentment and mm-hmm. corrupted relationships. Yeah. And I think, you know, in wrapping up here, there's, you know, this, this piece about really like asking the question, being of service, listening, and then fierce love and action. Right. But also, you know, kind of, Moving back to what we talked about a little earlier in the podcast that, you know, another reminder for us as business owners right now, and for for those of you who are leaders and or business owners is being in different circumstances and what does, what does success look like today versus what it might look like when all, you know, the most ideal circumstances are happening. And so we have to be um, able to change and shift on the fly with things like that. And also how important it is to proactively communicate with our team. Um, you know, that's what I've, you know, as we've been here, I've been telling the team like, okay, today has been a really draining day on the brain front. So I'm going to need some extra help with this today because the brain's not firing because it's still back there in the doctor's office with my mom. Um, and uh So, yeah, just, you know, the importance of when life comes in and those competing priorities happen, how do you shift your level of success and what success looks like today or this week to be in harmony with with these other things that are important in your life? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's almost sounding like we need a part two of this, not saying we're going to do it. Um, but also remember when you're doing all of this, it's a project, yes. which means you got to let go of other things. Oh, yes. Some of our guiding rules have been here and this has been harder for Angela to accept than me. It's like easy is good and good is great. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what's our easy way here? How can we keep this simple? It may not be the way that we do it at home. It may not be the way that we rock this this way, but it's here. Like we need to keep. The emotional overwhelm down, easy is good, good is great. Um, and think about how that recalibrates your list. So wrapping up here, a few reminders, nudges. Remember, you are the person that sets and calibrates your priorities. And when stuff pops up, I want you to be thinking about, is this in alignment and integrity with who I am and who I want to be? And if you need to make some shifts, don't resign that you can't figure out how, right? Sometimes it's one of those things where you decide and then figure it out. Not that you figure it out and then decide. Um, Two, how can you apply your gates that you use to run your career, your team, and your business in service of your family? Three, um, remember, always ask for help. And, you know, or excuse me, always ask to help. 
and to so that you can be your best version of yourself going in. Four, easy is good, good is great. And five, in the mix of all of this, remember to take care of yourself as well. Yeah. yeah. Okay, fam. Until next time, stand tall and start finishing. Thanks for listening to Productive Flourishing. To get more resources that will help you finish the work that matters and be your best self in the world, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. If this episode warmed your heart or got your wheels turning, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review for the podcast on iTunes.